Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm Hannah. And I'm Tyler. We're here to learn more about the lives of authors that have inspired us, a journey into the stories they not only created, but also lived. So join us as we dive deep into the worlds that live just out of reach. I'll tell you a most serious fact, that opium dries a mucus tract, and constipates and causes thirst, and stimulates the heart at first, and then allows its strength to fall, relaxing the capillary wall. The cerebrum is first affected, contracted pupils are detected. On tetanus you must, mustn't bet, secretions gone except the sweat, lungs and sexuals don't forget. Oh. That is Ode to Opium by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And what? this was one of many little poems that he scribbled in the pages of his medical textbooks to help him remember things. This one was about opium, obviously, and Dudes, its effects on you. Wait, hold on. Dude's in medical school, and he's like, ah, uh, medical school's so easy. Let me just go ahead and create poems on top of learning. That's bullshit. Or maybe he was really struggling to remember it, and this poem helped him. I, it is rather catchy and rhymy and uh, impressive for yeah, a medical school student. That's a whole nother thing to do on top of being a medical student and learning about stuff. Like, now you have to memorize this poem. I, I Maybe <laughs> I'm just the weirdo who doesn't memorize poems well. But, like, if someone's like, yeah, hey, memorize this poem, I'm going to be like, well, that's all I'm doing then. This is my job now is to memorize this Yeah. Poem. I think I'm sort of like that, although I do get like, you know, songs are easier to remember than mm. just straight up fact. So maybe poetry is tied into that. Or maybe he was just a show off and was like, you know, like you said, medical school is too easy. Let me write some poetry about what I'm learning. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft, where Hannah does her medical poetry about opium. Uh, she's going to try and convince you all to try cocaine. And uh, I, I'm actually not in front of my computer, so I'm not going to be making a t-shirt while we talk today. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. Although your last one was a hit, I think. I, yeah, I, I feel like people really liked it. I honestly, it was kind of a kind of a quick and dirty one. It wasn't like I did any real artistry i just kind of threw some stuff together and uh, what a humble brag i no it's not a brag i just i genuinely i'm like yeah i'm just gonna throw this together so i was really genuinely impressed really at the end at of the episode <laughs> you are just really good at it i was genuinely impressed at the end of the episode when you revealed dickie doyle's scottish barbecue yeah i was like this is what you've been doing for the last 20 minutes this is why i've managed to talk almost uninterrupted about arthur conan doyle's life yeah you i think you've realized that you enjoy when i'm designing i mean i still interrupted i still had some some thoughts you did. to throw in there every once in a while but i was pretty focused on that shirt so you were really good at multitasking so um mm -hmm. if you don't already follow us on instagram go check it out uh we shared a, a a reel of it today yeah uh i guess it's not today when you're listening to this no. we are recording this on august 31st yeah this will be out next week uh you can also go to our website um i think i added our merch to our website um lewisandlovecraft.com you can go there and just kind of click on the, I think the front page has our, our merch and then you can go to the collection. If not, you can go to my website, twclawson.com and you can definitely see it there. 
um, not trying to promote my stuff on our show, but it is I, it is there <laughs> because it's a collect like the page is all of my designs that I'm doing. So this is just the collection for Lewis and Lovecraft. Right. Some cool stuff there. I um, I think by the time I go back to Oregon and visit my parents, my Tragedy is for Horrors tank top will be there, which I'm very yeah, excited about. It's the top seller right now. It's the number one <laughs> sold shirt that I've made. Um, it's something I you know, flippantly said at the beginning of an episode because I didn't have a bit. Uh, people loved it, so I put it on a shirt, and people love it still. So if you... That's amazing. I am honestly, like, a, <laughs> no, like, disrespect to the design, because the design is really cool, but I thought really only I would be interested in this, because I was the one who was like, I want that on a shirt. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, we've sold two. so me and one other person really wanted it (laughs) um if you guys want another way to support our show i mean there's a lot of ways you can do it if you want to do that you can go to our merch store and and buy some merch and uh it goes directly into my pocket i'm joking it does not it uh goes to pay for (laughs) hosting and you know taking care of of all the back end stuff that I think at this point we're starting to get to a place where it's like, you know, we, we could use some help maintaining that, right? You know, that way it's it's been it, it's been three years. You realize we've been doing this for three years, right? Yeah, n- three years in September. Yeah. This month, well, effectively. Well, three years of releasing. Oh, no. Because we started three years in of- June of recording. Oh, my gosh, you're so right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it hasn't been that long, but nope. Oh my God, we're getting old. You have a kid now. I know. Uh, we're, I mean, this, it's getting to a point where it's like, wow, we're like, this is a thing that I do now. Like, <laughs> it's um, a part of our routine. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I think that we've developed, I'm trying to think what I would think three years ago, right? If I'm like, in three years, what do I want the show to look like? Um, you know, obviously I'm thinking we're doing tours. Um, we're going and doing live <laughs> events um, where we have sponsors. Uh, I'm thinking that there's an active fan base and, um, you know, I can quit my day job. This is what I'm doing now. Um, You've always been much more optimistic than me. Yeah. Uh, what you're, has, you're an ideas guy. <laughs> what has happened? Uh, no sponsors yet. We're working on it. Uh, we have a fan base. We do. There, there is a community of people that listen to our show. I've been watching the numbers, and I really, I like that I've seen. I think we're we're above like a hundred and twenty, like actual listeners, consistent listeners, um, which is huge. Honestly, that's big for us. Um, it's a it's big growth compared to where we were last year. Um, and then we've got, uh, we've never done a live event, so that needs to happen. That's not entirely true. We did one at the book nook for Halloween, right? Or around Halloween time. Was that, well, that was, that was like our first year. And that was, that was because we were, we were recording at the book nook already. And then, uh, for the news show we did we were doing a live event so we did lewis and lovecraft kind of with oh that's right show. i forgot that 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 was for can be now so as much as i love the book nook 
and uh, appreciate everything that they've done for us. I don't consider You're saying it doesn't count. A live event, no. Um, that was us just kind of hanging out with Frankie while he did something. <laughs> 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 so, uh, so yeah, so, so we, you know, maybe in this next year, I mean, having a kid kind of slows a lot of stuff down. The pandemic slows a lot of stuff down. I think the fact that you and I have been able to keep this show going just in general with so many life events and crazy things happening, we've been able to keep it going for three years. I think that's testament enough to to how good of a show it is well cheers to us right and all of our 120 ish regular listeners yeah the 120 if you want to be a part of the 120 sign up on our website (laughs) it's a positive pyramid scheme yeah i had to ditch that people did not respond well to it People hear the word pyramid uh, scheme and they instantly are turned off. So I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, and plus, I you know the whole the whole pyramid scheme was was predicated on an episode coming out every month, and <laughs> which is now not every happening. quarter. Absolutely. Yeah. It's an episode. Well, it's three episodes every six months, basically. Um, doing collections oh, okay. of the short stories. So you still get a bundle, basically, of three short stories, but I'm publishing them all together so that they feel a little bit more uh, solid, you know, and it's worth And publishing. if anyone doesn't know what you're talking about, it's oh, yeah. the Penny Lich. <laughs> the Penny Lich. Uh, I'm getting ready to, to do the, the s- s- episode six, so the third story in the second volume. Um, I already have the cover artwork for the second volume. I'm very excited about it. Did I send that to you? No, you didn't. I'm in the dark. Oh, you talk about something while I find it. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, now that we've done a a little bit of a detour to start the episode, shall we talk a little bit more? Always, you know, you can be relied on for that. (laughs) You're very consistent. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so this is obviously our chill episode. So I, I know we had both planned to discuss um, Arthur Conan Doyle a little bit more and specifically yeah. Sherlock Holmes, the many adaptations and kind of its impact on the genre and the ways that the genre has changed a lot um, since 1887 or whenever the first Sherlock Holmes mystery was published. So yeah, to start it off, um, I wanted to share, because you know we talk a little bit about literary friends like authors who were friends obviously c.s lewis and and mm-hmm. J.R.R. tolkien are one of the most well known the best yeah. of friends the best of pals um and we also talk about poetry bros now yeah poetry so, bros i just want to i found this when i was doing research for our last episode um and it was something because i tend not to think about the ways that different famous authors overlap in their timelines unless there's like some specific example of it so even though like looking back i know that you know x number of authors were writing and publishing at the same time um i don't really think about how they may have interacted in the same world i'm like oh each one of these is like a completely separate timeline yeah but um i found out that Arthur Conan Doyle was a huge fan of Robert Louis Stevenson, who was the author of most famously Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He was Uh. also Scottish. Um, So (laughs) he's also Scottish. So 
Well, Scotland's a pretty small country compared to the U.S. (laughs) Funny, like the preference of like, yeah, he wrote this, he wrote this, and this. Also, he was Scottish. Scottish. I think he was actually (laughs) from Edinburgh, like Conan Doyle. So even more local. Um, So Arthur Conan Doyle had complimented his work many times throughout his career. He like acknowledged that Robert Louis Stevenson, like he was a big fan. Yeah. And finally, in 1893, so a few years after Sherlock Holmes is introduced to the world. Uh, Robert Louis Stevenson writes to Arthur Conan Doyle, thanking him for his praise and saying, quote, I hope you will allow me to offer you my compliments on your very ingenious and very interesting adventures of Sherlock Holmes. That is the class of literature I like when I have the toothache. As a matter of fact, it was a pleurisy I was enjoying when I took the volume up and it will interest you as a medical man to know that the cure was for the moment effectual. And I'm like, that's kind of nice, but also it's the kind of book I like when I have the toothache. Yeah, like, like <laughs> I need something dull and numbing that's going to make my brain just shut off because life is too painful right now. So I'm going to read some Sherlock Holmes. It just seems like kind of a petty dig. It's like, you know, I'm a real author and I appreciate your compliments. I like your fluffy novels for when I'm feeling sick. You know what? To be completely honest, though, let's say some other big if if like uh, (laughs) who's a big author that I really respect right now. If Frank Herbert rose from the dead and wrote to you. Author. We got to do. Are there any living authors that I respect? I don't respect. Neil Gaiman. Hey, there we go. Neil Gaiman. Also, just just so if anybody heard me, I specifically said I don't respect Stephen King. It's because he's kind of a dick, but we could, <laughs> we've done a whole episode on him before. So, uh, Neil Gaiman, though, definitely love that guy. Um, if Neil Gaiman read, my, read the Penny Lich and is like, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's good for what it is. Um, I read it when I was sick and, you know, it helped me get through being sick. I'd be like, fucking Neil Gaiman read my book. I don't give a shit. And he said it wasn't, he didn't say it was trash. He didn't say it's the worst piece of shit I've ever read. He said it's actually kind of good when you're sick. So you know what? That's my marketing scheme. Good when you're sick is going to go on the cover of the next one. Yeah, I mean, for uh, a new author, that's still a really good... Uh, what do they call those on the front? Those little mini reviews. I'm spacing on the word for that. A blurb. Um, it's a good blurb. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I definitely, you know, <laughs> I uh, I think it it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, it's It would be amazing to have that happen. Even if it wasn't someone as big as Neil Gaiman, even if it was like S.A. Cosby or something like that, that would, would be, be cool. Right. Like and he's he's just starting not, not just starting out, but like he's starting to become more famous as an author because he keeps winning award after award after award. The dude can't be stopped. Uh, right. And, and he's also like churning out so many books. I think his yeah. third novel is about to come out. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. So if he was to be like, yeah, this is a book that I read because I want to shut my brain off. I'd be like, uh-huh. See, SA loves it. <laughs> so it's obviously good. That would be cool. Um, Funnily enough, Stevenson also knew Dr. Joseph Bell from back in the day, apparently. Um, And Bell, of course, was the inspiration 
or the main inspiration for Sherlock Holmes. So he asked um, Arthur Conan Doyle about that. And so he wrote back and he's like, quote, I'm so glad Sherlock Holmes have to pa- helped to pass an hour for you. He's a <laughs> bastard between Joe Bell and Poe's Monsieur uh, Dupin or Dupin much diluted. And um, we talked about this in the last episode, but Edgar Allan Poe had kind of written what was considered the first detective mystery a couple decades or a decade or so before Holmes. Um, So that's who he's referencing there. Yeah. And after this, the the two authors took up correspondence with each other and they even (laughs) made plans for Arthur Conan Doyle to visit uh, Stevenson in Samoa in 1894. But unfortunately, Stevenson died before they could make that happen. Oh, that sucks. Yep. A uh, poetry bro friendship that was not meant to last (laughs) (laughs) poetry bros um i mean we're gonna have to cover that guy at some point right like he oh definitely like him and um uh shelly i don't know why those two in my head are like equivalent because you got like the as in percy or mary shelly always mary fuck (laughs) fuck that guy He's the worst of the Weasleys. All I I know (laughs) is that uh, Mary was a better writer than him, and she was not appreciated in her time. And it was probably her husband's fault. So (laughs) I have no idea. I have genuinely no idea. We need to to do that episode. (laughs) I have no idea what role her um, husband played in it, but I really am excited to do an episode on her at some point because I remember reading... That she wrote, I believe it was Frankenstein, as like a competition with her husband and one yeah. other writer yeah. to see who could write the best horror story. And then there was like, isn't Lord Byron in there somewhere as far as... It might have been with her husband and Lord Byron. Yeah. Like she was competing with them. Like in the in the Lewis and Lovecraft author multiverse, um, you know, <laughs> situation that we AKA have going on history. right now. Yeah, well, yeah. Don't ruin it, <laughs> Hannah. Um <laughs> Shelly seems to be like the the Nick Fury of of people. Like she knows everybody. Um or everybody's connected oh. to her somehow. So I am interested for this one, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Coming to a theater so- near you. <laughs> um, in other multiverses, let's talk about Sherlock Holmes adaptations because um Apparently, Sherlock Holmes is the most portrayed literary human character in film and TV ever, according to Guinness World Records. Um, They specify human because Dracula has actually been portrayed more times, uh, but they count him as a monster. Dracula was in 272 films. Sherlock Holmes has been depicted on screen 254 times. That was as of 2012, so there's probably a few more to add since then. Yeah, you got Henry Cavill now. Throw him on there. (laughs) so yeah uh since his creation in 1887 holmes has been played by more than 75 actors including sir christopher lee i had no idea that he he played him yeah um charlton heston christopher Plummer, uh john cleese benedict cumberbatch and robert downey jr of course who Mm -hmm. robert downey jr and benedict cumberbatch are the only two i really know and henry cavill I haven't seen that one. I mean, I know who Henry Cavill is, obviously, but I haven't watched that adaptation. It's all right. It's all right. Why just all right? Uh, 
I mean, it's Enola Holmes. It's not Sherlock Holmes. Uh, it's got the girl from Stranger Things, right? Millie Bobby yes. Brown. Yeah. And she does all right. Um, the story is just kind of weird. It's like they didn't know whether they wanted to make a movie for little girls, like like 12-year-old girls, maybe 10-year-old girls, or something that was like a little darker. So that kind of hits both at some point like it's very um pro women feminism and standing up for yourself which i think is awesome i think every little girl should see that message and i was like oh okay this is a this is a movie for little girls i understand now and then at one point a dude gets like the shit beat out of him and he like cracks his head and it like splurts open i'm just like <gasps> what the fuck and then like yeah i'm just i was like this is fucked up i wouldn't let my daughter watch this if she's 10 years old it's a, it's dark it's, it's scary so it's like on screen like injuries yeah yeah and that I, is I, weird okay because at first i was thinking like you know there's a lot of kids movies that then you watch as an adult and you're like oh this has like really dark themes like the harry potter movies are dark af but there's not like violence. There's not blood and gore, right? Which is something that I think normally that's the line that I draw. Yeah, for for kids, sure. Yeah, like the reason why Watership Down is a fucked up movie to show children is because you got r- rabbits literally being ripped apart on screen by like cats and shit, coyotes or foxes or something, and you're supposed to be watching this fun little animated movie for kids. And it's not fun. It's terrifying. I don't know. We're on a huge <laughs> Yikes, I've never the seen that. The point is Enola Holmes is weird. It's got some tonal issues, but overall it's a fine movie. Uh, and there was actually um, a bigger problem with it in that the um, Doyle estate, Conan Doyle estate, sued... I don't know if it's Netflix or the producers or the studio that made the movie, but they straight up went after whoever made the movie. Because so, so there's copyright, um, copyright lasts for like a hundred years or whatever. Right. Um, and then, and then a character or, uh, or a piece of creation, um, then becomes public domain. That's the idea. So if you want to read, um, you know, uh, Pride and Prejudice, you can just read it on YouTube for free. Like you, you don't have to worry about people coming after you. It's it's public. Um, mm-hmm. So Sherlock Holmes, the first book of Sherlock Holmes, is over a hundred years old at this point. Um, and so they're like, all right, Sherlock Holmes is free use. We can go ahead and just use that. And they did. Uh, they didn't pay any royalties to the Conan Doyle estate for um, Sherlock Holmes or or any of it. Um, and in the movie, Anola Holmes, Henry Cavill plays a, a version of Holmes that is, he's not addicted to drugs. He's not um, super weird. He's just kind of normal. But and then the big factor is he's kind of nice. He's like a nice guy. Um, And he's already got horror. Yeah, he's got an established 
um, background of detective re detectiveness. Detective re. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the Holmes estate, not Holmes, the Conan Doyle estate goes after the the creators of this movie and says, well, yes, technically, Sherlock Holmes the in the first book is free use. But the last book, or the period in which Sherlock Holmes becomes a better person, is still within our rights. We still own that version of Sherlock Holmes. So if you're going to have Sherlock Holmes in your movie, you have to make him an asshole. You have to make him, like, addicted to cocaine and, you know, all this stuff. And... um. And so because they made him a nice version of of Sherlock Holmes, they got sued by the estate. That's just so petty. Right? So petty. Yeah. That would be insane to be like, yeah, yeah, the version that you used is not for is not free. You have to still pay me even though the character was created over 100 years ago that version of that character but that is an interesting like i don't know it's interesting that the character was in publication for so long that there can be multiple versions of it yeah that you can pick and choose what you want to use yeah because i mean there was something 30 plus stories in the sherlock holmes series right so he he had plenty of time to evolve. And I mean, I think there were tons of inconsistencies throughout the series and even throughout individual stories sometimes because Arthur Conan Doyle would write them so quickly. And I don't think the editing wasn't so much a thing back then. So I <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, they were written really fast and then released into the world. So yeah. there was a lot of evolution, both intentional and unintentional, I think. Um, but that, I did not know that about the family. I kind of get being protective of your grandpa's work or something. Um, I think the Tolkien estate is notoriously very, um, stingy with who they let produce film or TV adaptations of like Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Um, but like Sherlock or gosh, we keep uh, slipping. Arthur Conan Doyle has been dead for so long. Like, none of his descendants alive today knew him. Like, yeah. You're just trying to profit more off of the work. Yeah. I'm sorry, but it's you didn't create it. Uh, it's not your dad's work or your grandpa's work. It's like your great-great-grandpa's at this point. Yeah. Just chill out. Could you imagine if I was like, hey, Hannah, um, I am in charge of my great-great-great-grandfather's work, and... Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna need you to pay me because you used a version of his work with I would tell you to get a real job and stop <laughs> trying to ride the coattails of your great 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 grandpa. Yeah. Unfortunately my great great grandchildren are gonna have to deal with the same thing, you know? They're gonna be <laughs> like, Hey, you you use the penny lich, but um you use the version of one of the characters that was in a later season, so Ugh. Pay up, bitches. <laughs> You'll have to come back and haunt them and be like, I did not raise your great grandmother that way or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, speaking of haunting, you know, where's Conan Doyle now trying to 
maybe he is maybe he's the one that's like oh. in the uh at, he's he's sitting in the chair and doing some oracle shit and they they've got like a <laughs> they've got a chick who's like um <laughs> you know eyes rolling in the back of her head she's like uh he says that it's a different character than uh what they portrayed so get that money. i hope so that i feel like that would really bring it full circle you know he participated in so many seances now he's actually going to participate in a seance from the other side i mean is that's a thing right that was a whole thing in his death which yeah they had a seance at his funeral i think we're going to talk about that more in october in a couple months yeah we're going to get into the story in depth the deets <laughs> Of, the deets or yeah, the deets we're going to get into the deets the deep deets of uh how he died and then how he lived again <gasps> if i believed in ghosts that would have been a really great tease <laughs> you know the studio's haunted right i feel like i've heard you say that before i've yeah. never witnessed it uh so uh, to my right over here, um, there's uh, an office where I have my desk and stuff. And very long story short, we were interviewing someone who's a, a paranormal investigator. And while we were talking about ghosts and things, some stuff moved around in there and it freaked us all out. So we went outside and I put a microphone in the office and with my whole setup, I have wireless headphones that I can I can stand outside of the building and hear through the headphones what's going on on the microphone. And we asked the thing to, you know, like move some stuff around and we pointed out the microphone and then we all left. We went outside and it's just a quiet room for like 10, 15 minutes where they're hanging out there smoking and I'm just listening hardcore. And I'm telling you right now. I heard some papers shuffling around. Yeah. Like, straight up gave me goosebumps. I'm like, what the fuck? And then, and then we came back in and uh, we were listening through the audio. And right when the paranormal investigators like, yeah, um, you know, here's the microphone, you know, you say something into it, move something around. We'll be back in a few minutes. She leaves. You can hear her leaving. Um, and then a f like a minute later, you could just hear right on the microphone i don't know oh if the listeners could hear gosh. that but it was a boop right on the microphone <laughs> a boop on the microphone a little boop i got a boop and a paper shuffle in the studio it's haunted i'm not staying here after dark we're out <laughs> that's a great story i had no idea you guys interviewed a paranormal investigator yeah it's for uh a new show that i'm a part of called bad radio uh cameron's show it's basically a variety music comedy show. So that's pretty cool. pretty cool. That's your what? 53rd show. It's not really my show. Uh, I just kind of show up and play around. They're actually going to record some stuff after I'm done with this episode. So, yeah. Oh, very fun. Well, hopefully there will be no more uh, ghost appearances unless uh, you're no, trying to catch them. We want more ghost appearances. We want all the ghost appearances. So if you guys I've always said, boot, let me know. <laughs> I don't believe in ghosts, but I am afraid of them. So that would have really scared me. I might not have gone back in. 
I don't believe in ghosts, but I am afraid of them. See, that's a shirt. That's a shirt right there, Hannah. I don't believe in ghosts, but I am afraid of them. I feel like you could do a real, like, deep personality assessment based on that, like, going deep into my atheism. Like, I don't believe in God, but sometimes when I'm scared, I pray. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can go real deep into that if you want, but I don't think <laughs> we'll do a, a therapy the session eventually. <laughs> yeah, that'll be, uh, that'll be an episode, super chill on the couch episode. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, we've gotten a little far away from the Sherlock Holmes adaptation. It's a chill adaptation. episode, of course yeah, we've gotten far chill. away. I don't really have anything to add to the adaptations. I honestly, like, the only ones I've watched are Sherlock the british tv show which is i i watched it starting in high school and got super into it but the problem was they went like two years in between seasons yeah and in that amount of time i completely lost interest so i never finished it how many seasons did they do or i'm sorry how many series did they do i think a lot because actually like pretty recently i think my sister watched them all and i was surprised at how many seasons there were or series four there's four of them four? Oh, i thought yeah. it was more for some reason well but here's the thing about that show is each season had what three episodes but they were all movies it was like each one was a movie which was kind of newish when they started doing that now that's like the norm and it's very annoying you don't like that no um you're not you haven't watched all the stranger things right Uh, Yeah, I'm caught up on Stranger Things. Oh, you're caught up? So they did that a lot in the last season, and I thought it was totally unnecessary. I was like, you could have cut 30 minutes out of this episode easily, and it might have been better for it. Yeah, my wife and I, Rebecca and I were making fun of that when we were watching that, where, like, we're like, what? how is this episode not over? (laughs) Like, we're watching it and watching it and watching it and watching it. Finally, we look, and we're like, oh, it's an hour and 40 minutes long. Right. That's why this episode's not over because it's a goddamn movie, and then uh, and so the joke became like because then the last episode was like two and a half, three. It hours was more long. than two hours. Yeah. I think I had to watch it in two sittings because it got to be too late in the night, yeah. and I was like, I've got things to do tomorrow. <laughs> I'm a new dad. I can't do this. Um, so so our joke was like yeah when when it first came out it was like 40 minutes long and then second season was like oh we're gonna push it an hour you know and then season three whatever and then this is like yeah each episode is as long as the first season was you know and then the next season each episode is going to be as long as the all the seasons put together before it and then the last episode of the last season will be as long as all the episodes before it combined it'll be a you know an 18 hour episode (laughs) i you know i don't think that's an exaggeration honestly i think i could see hollywood doing that i think they've um i think that they're absolutely gonna do like like five or six episodes and they're all gonna be like two hours long yeah so sherlock was at the the forefront of that back when it was cool to kind of experiment and not be constrained by the 45 minute yeah. rules uh and now it's just like okay guys someone needs to rein you in i liked i liked sherlock i like that they did it with three episodes i think that's what the only reason why i enjoyed it 
because it was like, okay, we're here for three episodes. They're all basically movies. You could have released them as movies, but it feels it feels better that they're just you know episodes in a show. So mm-hmm. I, I genuinely I I liked that format. I just I think I'm with you where there was like two ep two se- two years between a couple seasons, and we kind of just lost our place in it. And when we came back, it was like uh, people were turning out to be things that were like, wait, what? I don't remember that yeah. happening. And then we needed to kind of backtrack. We're like, all right, well let's restart. And then we went to restart, and we're like. We shouldn't have restarted. (laughs) (laughs) I also thought that the British version was a pretty good modern adaptation of Sherlock Holmes in that it stayed true to kind of the style, which was, you know, having Watson be the main Mm -hmm. protagonist, kind of the narrator. Whereas with the Robert Downey Jr. versions, I think they make Holmes feel like the main character, which if you read the books and the short stories... He's not at all. And so when I went into reading them for our last episode, I was totally surprised. I'm like, wait, Watson's the main character? Nobody told me that. Mm -hmm. But the Robert Downey Jr. ones are fun. I think I've only seen the first two. The second one was way too long. Um, Yeah, there's also the show that I think like ABC or NBC did that was Elementary. Where it was another. Oh, I haven't seen that one. It had Lucy Liu as Dr. Watson. And and then they and then it was a modern adaptation of um, Sherlock where he's like severely addicted to drugs or something. That was like the big thing where in like in the British one, they're like, oh, yeah, also he does drugs and like we don't care. Um, Like it's a part of his personality, but he's fine, (laughs) which I think (laughs) is more truthful to the novel or the the stories as well. Yeah. But in America, it's like, no, everything needs to stop. If if drugs enter, every, sh- shut it down. That we're no longer chasing anybody. We got to talk about drugs. He smoked a joint. Okay, his career is over. It's uh, he's got uh, he's chasing a murderer who's a serial killer. Fuck that storyline. We're gonna follow him as he smokes crack. That's what's important <laughs> to this character. It helps him chase down the bad guys but we don't like that in america i sound like i'm really like pushing for drugs in america i'm not i don't i've never yeah that's done my drugs, job so. that is my job <laughs> right, Tyler. Yeah. i'm just you know what i'm passionate for you hannah get hannah her cocaine damn it <laughs> i think i would perform better on cocaine i there's gonna be an episode where Hannah's just gonna come in and she'll be like, doodle, doodle, doodle. <laughs> "Okay, everyone." <laughs> oh my gosh, that would actually be amazing. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Can we just get you like pumped up on Red Bull and have the same effect and make everyone? Think? I could try, although with you know they take longer to wear off than cocaine. I've heard. Oh. Okay. So when I drink energy drinks like too late in the day i go to bed and i've got heart palpitations which are really scary i'm just like this isn't fun anymore yep um but yeah there's lots of adaptations this is our first point by the way for this whole episode and we're at like 40 (laughs) minutes in (laughs) um as it always goes (laughs) what so is sherlock your favorite adaptation would you say or is the robert downey jr your favorite or what's your favorite maybe sherlock i think Mm. it's the most 
interesting and I don't know. The Robert Downey Jr. ones are fun. Yeah. But they're not like immensely rewatchable, I don't think. I don't feel like I learn a lot from them. I don't know. I they're more casual viewing. Love the Robert Downey Jr. ones. I've watched really? those probably once a year. Yeah. Really? Now I'm not saying they're my favorite by by any means. I've got one that's my favorite, and I'm gonna blow you out of the water with it. I guarantee it. Um, the Christopher Lee love... version. No, no, those are good ones too. I actually have um, the. Uh, maybe I have the Christopher Plummer ones. I can't remember now. I had them on on a DVD, like super old. It was really awesome. I used to fall asleep to those. Um, but I I really liked the Robert Downey Jr. ones. I thought he did a great job. I thought um, the director was really took care of the character to kind of show some interesting stuff. Um, I, I think the they atmosphere. are fun. I like. Um, uh, yeah, I shouldn't be so dismissive of them. I like. Um, they incorporate the boxing into it. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a really interesting nod to not only Holmes, but to Arthur Conan Doyle. Because he um, he wasn't like a professional boxer by any means. He was amateur. Right. Um, but so that's cool to see. And Robert Downey Jr. is a fantastic actor. So. Yep. Uh, my favorite version of Sherlock Holmes is the great mouse detective. <laughs> what? <laughs> you great were right. Detective. You did surprise me. Yep. I don't know. What is that? It's like a spinoff from the uh, Rescuers. Um, Rescue. Oh. Yeah, the Rescuers go down under. and uh, But there was, yeah, there was a Great Mouse Detective. It came out. I don't know when it came out, but I watched it as a kid all the time. Like, all the time. Uh, and it was one of my favorite movies of all, of all time. Uh, there was a rat that was Moriarty. And uh, and the mouse was Sherlock, and they it was a whole thing like in the they had to like go into a clock tower and like fight on a clock in the gears, and um, there was at the beginning there's like a laboratory, and he shows like how he's making this like potion that's gonna like show them I don't know some clue of some sort. It was just the best. It was the best. I was a kid. It was amazing. I had no idea who it was. I thought this was a wholly original idea. And then I get older and I read Sherlock Holmes. I know who Sherlock Holmes is, right? Like I, I, I understood that there was Sherlock Holmes in the world, but I, it was different from the great mouse detective to me. Those are two completely different things. And then there was a line from one of the Sherlock Holmes books that I was reading that they said that I remember them saying in the Great Mouse Detective. And I was like, oh, did Great Mouse Detective steal that from Sherlock Holmes? And then I went and looked it up and I'm like, no, it just is. It just is Sherlock Holmes. What the fuck? My whole life is a lie. <laughs> that's the best story. Actually, that's tied for best with your ghost story. <laughs> There is also House, right? We talked about that in the last episode. House Does that count as an actual, like, adaptation, or... Or is it more, like, a a very transparent nod to the character? I mean, it is Sherlock Holmes. It's House, right? Holmes, Mm -hmm. House. Um, It's literally just... I want to say it's an adaptation. It, it is an adaptation. It's just a very large step away from Sherlock Holmes. Right. Uh, um, I don't know. 
Maybe I'm wrong. Get at me in our our comments. Let me know (laughs) if you think that I'm wrong for saying that House is an adaptation of Sherlock Holmes. Um, I think the only other like main topic of discussion we had was just kind of how detective fiction and murder mysteries more broadly have changed since the home series. So if you'll allow me, I'll go into some of the like timeline here because that's what Hannah does is she she does history timelines with Hannah Ray. Um, So 1925. (laughs) Even earlier, in 1841, was when Edgar Allan Poe published what's generally agreed upon as the first modern detective story, which was The Murders in the Rue Morgue. Um, Huge influence on Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, And then in 1878, a woman named Anna Catherine Green introduced the first American detective in The Leavenworth Case, um, which is also, I did not know, it's widely noted as one of the first American bestsellers selling 750,000 copies in its first decade and a half of publication, which, like, 750,000 copies is good for, like, most authors' lifetimes. I'm doing some math. And she did that in the 1800s, so kudos to Anna Catherine Green. Are you trying to figure out how much money she would have made from that? Yeah. <laughs> Obsessed with money. <laughs> It's the reason why I write. Hey, look, I'm not going to lie. I want to make money from writing. So that's what I that's what I look at. Every success is someone <laughs> making money to me. Uh, most likely she made the equivalent of like $3 million. Um, Hopefully. I hope she had a good uh, contract. Yeah. Uh, publishers. So, you know, <laughs> she'd make him burn. So then like a decade after that, we get Holmes. Um, which completely took over the detective genre, mm-hmm. uh, revolutionized the way people looked at those stories. And then it wasn't until the 1900s that we get to a type of detective fiction that I think is most similar to what we're used to today. Um, and basically, like some writers started viewing the puzzle solving mystery style as too unrealistic and clean, which is one of the things that kind of stands out to me about the Sherlock Holmes books. I'm like, this isn't really mm-hmm. realistic. Like it's entertaining, kind of witty. Um, but this would never happen. Right. And so they introduced what's known as hard-boiled fiction, not eggs fiction. I yeah, don't know why it's called that. Hard-boiled. Um, and those are the more gritty stories with graphic violence and graphic sex. Yeah. And the stories um, would often pair detectives against the mob or corrupt cops, uh, basically creating a world where the detective is totally on his own. He can't trust anyone. Dick Tracy. Um, uh, Columbo. I have no idea of Columbo. <laughs> Columbo. <laughs> um, and that emerged in the 1920s, but really gained traction in America in the following decades. Uh, and so that's kind of what I see a lot of now. And then on the, the flip side, around the same time, um, we were seeing what was considered the golden age of crime writing. And this was... It seems more British. Agatha Christie was considered one of the queens of the golden age and novels of that era were more the whodunits and they had a very like rigid style that they followed. They were typically set in the English countryside and featured like upper class characters. There were some American authors who did it, but it seemed very British. It's a very British thing. Yeah, it is a very British thing. So, yeah, we had just dozens of authors who were publishing 
tons, tons and tons of novels. Agatha Christie, I think she's one of the most prolific writers of all time. Um, so that's the more, almost going back to the kind of uh, predictable style, almost, of the Sherlock Holmes stories. Like, you kind of know what kind of characters you're going to get, what kinds of twists you're going to get. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I mean, feel it's, like... It's like comic books today, right? Where... Um, you you know you're gonna you're gonna see Spider-Man swing in fight someone. Um, most likely he's gonna end up. Actually, <clears throat> comic books have evolved to like a five-story arc now, to where it's like there's Spider-Man doing his thing, and then Spider-Man disrupted, and then Spider-Man learning about the bad guy and fighting him for the first time, and then Spider-Man having to figure himself out a little bit and then coming back for the big bad fight defeating him and then the ramifications and that sets up the next arc where it's mm-hmm. spider-man doing his thing spider-man disrupted you know it's it's literally the same circle cycle over and over and over again which we love because we love spider-man we just want to see spider-man do his thing daredevil spider-man superman although superman sucks fuck superman batman um <laughs> All of all of the superheroes, we want to see that. It's the same thing with uh, with these detectives. We know that they're gonna be like, oh, I'm just gonna be doing my thing, chilling out, hanging out, and then, boom, a case is thrown in front of me that I can't deny. I don't want to do it, but I gotta do it. And then I'm gonna go, and I've already solved it. But in order to get the bad guy to admit or get caught, I'm going to let them think that they've outwitted me and they're going to catch themselves up. And then we and then we wrap up the story. Thank you. Do Give you... me money, please. <laughs> Do you like that? Yeah, I think once you establish a character, you can show character growth, character arc, and um, and you can tell not the same story over and over again, but have the same formula so that you can have a, a, a room to play in different scenarios, knowing that you are going to bring it back in a certain way. And then, and then sometimes when you break that, you get to have more fun with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it is the hero's journey. It's what TV shows or like sitcoms and TV shows do. Um, it's why I can't watch, like cop shows because it's like they're so formulaic they're so law and order just got it's literally an ad lib that you just throw in (laughs) like okay this week you know blank is going to blank a blank and then we're going to have guest star blank and uh other guest star blank who's playing the villain you know right Um, it was like every single thing, um, but when you're when you're writing, you can do more with it. I think than like on TV shows because TV think that's shows fair. you're constrained to like production, right? When you're writing and you can what you like, can see, yeah. And in writing, you can just be like, "Hey, uh, we're in the countryside now," <laughs> you know. Whereas <laughs> like TV shows, like we can't do an episode in the countryside; we can't afford that. We're gonna be in New York City. Every week for the yeah. entirety of this series. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think that's fair. Um, I think when I was considering this this question and trying to think of why, I don't like the kind of 
you know, I would never binge read all of the Holmes stories or even the hard-boiled detective novels. Um, And I was trying to think of what made them different from the kinds of murder mysteries I like now. Uh, And I kept coming back to the formulaicness. But in a way, I feel like modern murder mysteries are also kind of formulaic. Yeah. Um, just in the way that I know when I pick up a best-selling murder mystery, there's going to be multiple twists that yeah. are just like, they're they're not the twists like in these detective no- novels. They're just like life-altering, earth-shattering twists. It's like, and her family was dead the whole time. Yeah. And then we're going to find out that the murderer is someone who she didn't anticipate. And I'm like, we didn't need four different twists in this novel, but I am here for it. <laughs> Yeah, what's the new one that everyone's talking about? Uh, the crawdads singing or whatever it is. That's like yes, a murder mystery. I right? wouldn't consider that a murder mystery. It's more of like um, it's like a trial oh, novel. Oh, is it? Okay, okay. Yeah, it's and it's also more about the character and her background than the actual crime. Oh, okay. So I'm kind of conflicted. I read that book and I did enjoy it. I read it very quickly because it kept me hooked the whole time. But I wasn't sure at the end. I was like, what kind of book was this? Was this a murder (laughs) mystery? Was it a trial drama? Was it a romance? (laughs) I'm like, there was just a lot going on. Karen, Karen Gilliam, 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 Gillian, whatever. Gillian Flynn. Flynn. That's what it is. Karen (laughs) Gillian is an actress. Gillian Flynn. She writes murder mysteries, right? That's a murder yes, mystery? Yes, those are decidedly murder mysteries. And I love them. Um, but she also does the same thing where it's like sometimes there's multiple twists throughout. Um, and also murder mysteries these days have just gotten so fucked up. Like, yeah. I feel like we're reaching a precipice almost where we're going to reach the limit of how far books and TV shows and movies can go before we're like, okay, this is just gratuitous at this point. Yeah. Like, there's well, too much terrible violence and um, just people being horrible to each other. It's like, yeah, we're going to get and there. That is that is where, like, my opinion of Sherlock Holmes kind of comes in. I read Sherlock Holmes um, 10 years ago, 12 years ago for the first time, really. I, I think I had read something um, before, but I don't really remember it. Um <clears throat> But I read like the the first one I read was Hounds of Baskerville because it's mm-hmm. it's the classic, right? Um, and I read that and I was overwhelmingly underwhelmed by it. And Me I, too. I was like, "What? That's it? That was the that was the mystery the whole time? We barely got to see Holmes. He was like barely in this fucking thing." And then I read another one because I was like, maybe that was just a one-off. Maybe that was just kind of whatever. Um, same feeling. At the end of it, I was like, this was not a mystery. This was like, go for a walk. And then you stumble on something and go, huh, I wonder if it happened like this. Go for another walk and prove that it happened like that. Like And that was it and i was like this is so dumb but then like but the what i had to realize is that i grew up in the 1990s right like i had the great mouse detective to grow up on so they already that story had already existed for 150 years 
and they just took it and doctored it so that it was different and newer and shinier and more colorful and a little more twisty. You know, we we grew up watching the equivalent, if not more mysterious stories on TV every week, uh, every Saturday cartoon. Um, you know, I grew up watching Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark? Those in of themselves. Oh my God. I grew up reading R.L. Stein's um, Fear Street. So I skipped Goosebumps and went straight to the really messed up teenage horror stories. Like those, (laughs) those are really twisty and mysterious. They got some crazy stuff, you know, and I, video games, there's a lot of mystery in video games too. So when you go back and you look at it with your your 2022 eyes, you read these stories and you're like, this is not good. <laughs> I mean, it's good writing. It's really good writing. It's it's fantastic. You can read it. it it's fun to read. The, the characters are interesting. But the mystery is like, ugh, this is boring. Oh, my God, this is boring. I think you perfectly explained what I couldn't put to words going back and looking at this, like we're so jaded or like desensitized. Yeah. Desensitized. Um, I think that might be the right word. Yeah. So it's like, you really can't judge 1800s or even probably early 1900s murder mysteries by today's standards, because we're just inundated with it. Even if you're not a murder mystery fan, like you've definitely been exposed to mysteries and kind of the the structure that they have now and the devices the plot devices that are used so you just can't go back and read this the way that somebody in the 1800s would yeah i i mean i'm i'm going to be interested when we do an agatha christie episode which we're going to have to at some point we are. Um, I've tried to read one of her books and I was just bored. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm I'm going to be interested to see what the difference is between an Agatha Christie story, Sherlock Holmes story and the Agatha Christie story compared to the most recent movies that were made with Pierrot. Because those are intense movies. They were like highly uh uh like I was the whole time I'm like edge of my seat like oh someone did it who the fuck did it and then like the first one murder on Orient Express I was like oh shit holy shit that's a good twist I loved it it was so good and I doubt that's how the book went but it could have I have no idea so you know I'm 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 interested to see if if the books books were as good as the movies to me, because I, I'm approaching it from the movie side of things, right? But it's like every everything we watch nowadays has has the formula for mystery to keep us in. And, and like, Rebecca watches a shit ton of British, and everything British is a mystery. It's all... <laughs> Doctor Who is just a mystery in time and space. You got uh, Broadchurch, straight-up mystery. Uh, father something or other father of Harry Potter friend I can't remember <laughs> the name of it now mystery um, fuck, I can't remember there's another one it's like all these British shows are just it. they're like hey I don't know if you guys know this or not but we invented the mystery <laughs> stories and we it's do like, it okay, shut up you week. invented everything get yeah, out of here <laughs> we get it Um. so yeah I, I get I, I get really upset when I, when I 
want to read Sherlock Holmes, but then I'm like, yeah, but I know I'm not going to like it because I've been ruined by today's standards of mystery. It is kind of sad. I I feel genuinely sad that I can't go back and appreciate some of these older novels because I'm looking at it through a 21st century lens. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you can still enjoy it, though, because there are shows like Sherlock, which are taking that original source and going, okay, if this was written nowadays, what would it be like? What, how would these play out? These mysteries would be completely different. Um, they'd play out in way bigger ways. And then like the Sherlock Holmes movies where it's like, yeah, they're, it's the same character, but we're telling wholly new stories and like pumping up the character of Sherlock Holmes and the mystery that goes along with him and his his uh skills right like the the whole scene at the end of the second Sherlock Holmes movie where there two things are happening at once one they're letting their sidekicks basically do all the work they've they've done all of their prepping teaching setting everything up and now they're both the masters who are just going to be like all right now we're just going to let it play out and whoever's better that's it's going to be proven right here and right now and then also they start this fight and throughout the series or the two movies you see that you know Sherlock Holmes can like kind of go through his his brain and be like all right this is how the fight's going to go and I'm going to do this and this but then it starts to show that somebody else can do that as well and they kind of have this chess match Mm. of a fight before without even throwing a fist and they know what they're gonna do and i you know like you don't get that in the books but it it is sherlock holmes it is fundamentally sherlock holmes because it's a cerebral sort of uh event that happens cerebral and, uh, event i like that <laughs> i know some words hannah <laughs> <laughs> I like how you uh, adopted your Dickie Doyle accent for that part. <laughs> I know Come some on down words. to Dickie Doyle's and have yourself a cerebral event. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we've been going for a little while now. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on detective novels or murder mysteries in general? Or uh... Yeah, if you guys want to uh, to hear a little bit about how a mystery novel is written... Go check out the correspondence episode I did with Tom Phillips. He is a, an author, a mystery author. He just released a couple months ago his first novel, um, which is like a middle grade Sherlock Holmes type of story. Um, I got it on my shelf right out there. You can't see it, but I did. It's, I, mean, I could be <laughs> lying to you. You have no idea. Um, but he has it or he, I have it. He wrote it. It's, uh, I'm excited to read it when I have, uh, an older son. I don't want to read it yet because I don't want to ruin it for myself. Um, but, uh, he talks a little bit about his process and what it's like to write a mystery. And so if you're interested in that, you should definitely go check out that, um, episode. Very cool. Well, um, do we have time for one one star review? Let's do it. Let's All do right. one star. Brown, brown, chicka, down, down, chicka, down, brown, down, chicka, down, down, to one star. 
That's the, wow. Yeah, that's I the like that. Music. We need Cam to make us a special jingle just for this segment. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get on that. I'll tell him what to do. Okay. the The first um, hint slash review, which honestly gives nothing away. I just thought it was funny. Uh, Mai says, this has always been my least favorite. Shrug emoji, trigger warning, murder. That's it. That's the whole review. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> no, that would be funny if somebody put a trigger wor- warning for murder on Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, the second one comes from Alec. You guys can't tell me that this was a complex mystery. I read this in seventh grade and guessed it was the butterfly catcher as soon as he was introduced. I'm pretty sure that I had a harder time with solving Scooby-Doo episodes than this mystery, quote-unquote. In quotations. Uh, Well, the butterfly catcher gave it away, obviously, because when you said mystery, it could have been anything. Any mystery could have been, you know, uh, Gillian Flynn. Um but butterfly catcher uh, hounds of Baskerville you have a really good memory I thought maybe that would slip past you since it's been a while since you've read that book nah man I remember that book it was uh, it stuck with me because I was like what it was him the whole time I knew that (laughs) just like you know what I agree with that one star review fully agree with that one star review (laughs) yep it was the hound of the Baskervilles um I'm impressed with how well you remember it because honestly i read it like a month ago and have already almost forgotten all of it the naturalist i remember that i remember the, that naturalist. the naturalist because the whole time not gonna lie thought that meant he was a nudist <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense it's like on natural i'm a naturalist Come get me, Sherlock. <laughs> that would be an, oh, gross. that would be a really interesting uh, adaptation of it. If instead of being like a butterfly catcher, he was just a naked guy running around the whole time. <laughs> did you? Uh, I know this is totally out of nowhere. Did you like the guy that played Moriarty in Sherlock? I don't remember him really. <gasps> oh, all right, he's amazing. He's one of my what, favorites. Which actor is it? I don't. I just said he's one of my favorites. I don't. He's I one don't of your favorites, him. and you don't know who it is. I mean, I I remember the character of Moriarty, and I have like a vague, um, mental image of his face in my head, but that's about it. I mostly liked uh, Bilbo Baggins as Watson. Uh, it's uh, Andrew Scott, and all all the fangirls who are just like screaming at me, like, how could you forget his name? Because I don't. I yeah, know I never liked that That's about the Sherlock series. All of the uh, Benedict fangirl. Cumberbatch fangirls and all that seemed very weird to me. I don't like yeah. fangirls. Sorry. <laughs> I um, like yeah. a healthy amount of respect for characters and actors, and that's it. You're not going to write a death note to someone because they pretended like they um, shot your favorite character in a show? No, because I'm not insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you're going to get uh, death I hope because so. you, you know, Send them to me. Because my fans are going to be like, how dare you say that to Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> Just a war of the fandoms. <laughs> hey, if you want to send a death threat, go ahead and send it to uh, lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com. That's the best place to get in touch with us. You can contact us through our website if you want. We've actually already gotten a couple of contacts 
for our Halloween episode. So Always exciting. want to send a death threat that is 500 to 700 words long <laughs> to Hannah or myself, we will read it on the show. Uh, please don't send death threats. Um, well, if you instead, do it in, in a flash fiction form where I'm yeah. like the main character getting murdered, you know I what? would actually respect that. <laughs> if you send us a death threat, we are automatically going to assume it's for the Halloween episode. Uh, <laughs> it's we'll just not... gonna turn into like a long show of people threatening to kill us <laughs> the theme for this year is death threats against tyler and hannah um but yeah you don't have to do that uh you can also just write a funny silly scary spooky creepy um uh flash fiction story which is going to be 500 to 700 words uh, we're going to pick the top 13 stories, and we're going to read them on our show, do a little production. I've got a few voice actors who are interested in reading them for us. Um, you know, shout out to the cast of Fables of Refuge and another show that's going to help us out, Unbalanced Ooh. Encounters. Um, so uh, I'm I'm pretty excited for this year to uh, to collab with some people, but we need stories. So if you've ever thought, hey, man... I want to try writing a story. Now's the time to do it. If you're an author and you want to just throw something out there, you can do it at, um, anonymously or with a different name and just throw it our way. And we'd love to read it on our show. Um, it helps us uh, every year. Our Halloween episodes are our biggest year, our biggest shows. So um, it's really fun to do. And it helps us grow a little bit more uh, every year. Um, you can, message us if you want on instagram or you can you know follow us there and see the pictures hannah has straight up taken over our instagram which is so much better now because it's not me at the last second going oh shit i gotta post something she's actually doing a good job uh so. oh thank you well i figured you had enough on your plate what with uh furthering the human species and all that yeah, continuing the virus of humanity um <laughs> So follow us on Instagram at Lewis and Lovecraft. Um, <clears throat> that's where we're most active. You can go to Facebook and look us up. We do have a page where uh, it's basically only Devani who posts there. Actually, you know what? I take that back. We did have and Aaron. Uh, Aaron. Aaron uh, reached out. I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't want to say. Oh awesome, my bad. But you know what? It's Blank fine. it out. It's 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 public. He can people can just go see it. Aaron did uh, send us a, a thing on the page talking about uh, kind of a, a you know what? If you want to know about it, you should go look it up. It's a really, really sweet um, kind of thing that he shared with us that um, we th we really appreciated him sharing with us. Um, so go to our Facebook page and check that out. Awesome. Um, and rate and review us wherever you're listening. Um, what's Pod Chaser is the one where you can rate individual episodes too. Yeah. Um, but Apple Podcast is always a big one for us, and Spotify as well. Spotify is just stars. All you have to do is sit there and click a star. Um, we would prefer preferably five. five. But you know, if it's if it's a one star kind of day, we get it. <laughs> um that's i mean that's it uh, unless there's something else people can do to support us in some way yeah. um i can think of one other um yeah. yeah i i think maybe they could tell their friends oh that's right if you've got 
friends like Conan Doyle did, um, <laughs> then you can tell them about our show. Uh, help us get more followings and people who want to learn about authors and share their experiences. We want to encourage you to share us with your friends and encourage you to share your opinions with us. Email us at lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com. Tell us what you think about our show, about the authors that we're talking about. Um, we do our deep dives and then we do a chill episode. So if you listen to our deep dive and you have thoughts on what we discussed there, writing to us between our two episodes is a great move because we will talk about what you think on the chill episode. And on that note, uh, if I may close with another poem, because after we recorded our last chill episode, which is um, following our William Shakespeare uh, yeah. episode, <clears throat> like two days after we recorded it, our good friend Bradley Botts sent us a poem inspired That's by right. our Shakespeare episode. Yeah. Um, Real quick, before we close it out with this poem, do we want to talk about, do we want to mention who we're going to talk about next? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, sorry. Press pause on the poem. So, our next yeah. author is going to be the elusive and reclusive Miss Harper Lee. Harper Lee! Which, um, I feel like this, she is a big one, even though famously she only published one kind of two novels in her lifetime. Right. I know one big thing about her that I can't wait to talk about. Oh, that's a good tease. <laughs> I think I've talked about it before, but we'll, I don't, I'll, I'll talk about it again. It's, it's going to be news to me. I don't remember it. <laughs> so, so, yes, we're going to talk about Harper Lee, author of To Kill a Mockingbird, um, so which yeah, I go read, read. Go read To Kill a Mockingbird so you know what we're talking about. Yeah, I read that way back in high school when it was required required reading. I'm going to try to reread it. I also got the controversial um, Ghost at a Watchman. Ooh, controversial. So, Yes. And Love we'll it. also talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and with that, Ghoul Gang, I leave you in the hands of Bradley Botts through the voice of Hannah Lambert. In the night sky I see my voyage among the stars. In my vision I need be, for events caused these scars. Watching the birds fly in the air, Looking toward the horizon, a blank focus with a distant stare. Stress and discomfort it is causing, trying to break the monotony. Life begins to fade. Talk of dreams is blasphemy, especially in the fields I made. I welcome tragedy's doors, because tragedy is for whores. Oh yes! Hell yes! Woo! I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>